You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Perth Property Show. I'm your host, Trent Fleskins, and today we are talking construction and more specifically in that development space. I've got Adrian Johnson in, his senior development consultant at Summit Projects. Really just have a really cards on the table conversation today about where the industry is at, what people are uh, investing in as a build type, as a as a build volume, as build contract co- prices, all those sort of things. Get an update. We'll talk a little bit about COVID and how things might affect the market there and whether people are pulling back or jumping in. Everything we can is a bit of an introduction to that from the builder's perspective. Adrian Johnson, thank you very much for coming in. Morning, Trent. Thanks for having me. Let's quickly talk about how, I guess, the industry is going. We had five years of the building guys sort of being on their knees, right? Like uh-huh. really. Oh, yeah. My knees are very sore. The carpet's <laughs> not looking good in the office. Uh, yep. and we, thought we, we thought we'd turn the, uh, the corner and this year was looking really good. How, sort of... how was the conversation around January and Christmas about new leads coming in? And... Look, new leads were good, but it was more the old leads. It was like the, the older... The guys that had been in the industry and had been seeing things were all coming back. And that's the sign that, you know, the people that know what's going on and, and sort of had that vision and had that positivity and had the ability to do it were all coming back. And that was the key essence that we were starting to say, great, you see that moving. By the end of the year, everyone else starts jumping on and, and we'll, we'll be back. So, so you're talking about leads that maybe you had designs and costings done three or four years ago and they said, yeah. look, let's put this on ice. And they just started to get back in the pipeline again. 100%. Even to the point people that have like back in the day would have got planning approval we did everything and then they've just looked and said no the market's just not right which is fair enough for the last few years yeah 100 don't have the capacity and they were coming back and saying no 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 we're good to go now we're positive we can see the industry is looking right uh even numbers when you look at what's for rent what's for sale everyone was saying well there's nothing there and you guys don't have anything in the pipeline, which means we're in all in trouble. So it was looking really, really good. For me, week one of really taking this a bit more seriously and pulling all the horses together and making sure whatever 2020 looks like, we've got astute decisions on the buying side and astute decisions on the building side. So I can't imagine that it's going to be a case of shutting up shop for summer, nah. but more a case of, look, we thought this was going to be a killer of a year That's, coming through. And now we've got like, yeah. oh, another year of having to really have you know astute conversations. To be honest with you, it's actually made us more nervous. So it was looking like the year was going to be good. We've pretty much have all come to the realisation that it's going to be an interesting year. Every hour there's different information, different statements from the government, so who knows what. So you, you know, realistically, where we thought it was going to be a cracker, I don't think that's going to happen. But I am concerned because obviously everything's pretty tight. And if we all go to shutdown, which it looks like might happen, well, that's just going to make things tighter. So I guess it's like the stock market. You know, the, the guys, when the market drops like this, the guys that are astute start coming in and buying and start making the most of it. And everyone, when the market turns and they all kill it and everyone looks back and thinks, oh, God, I can't believe how lucky they were. But yeah. it's, you know, it's the old But same. as a building company, you guys obviously, like many companies in the property industry, rely on volume. And it's not just yeah. those few astute guys coming in, 
getting a cheap nah. building contract or a good timing to you know start now and finish once all this is over you, you generally obviously we, we all know the reality you need more of the consuming developer 100%. as well coming through 100 percent, and that's the key thing that most people that are thinking clearly are saying yes okay we understand there's an issue we understand we know there could be two three six nine months of a concern but at the end of the day you guys on average takes us a year and a half to produce the product so mm. that's the key essence they're looking and saying well you know we're better off to push the button and get things going now while we can because if we leave it later then it's just going to make it even a tighter market and even more of a struggle so look it's going to be an interesting year i don't think i haven't had anyone touch wood cancel or, or tell me that they want to put it on hold um you know a few people that were quoting for have obviously uh, they're not as rushing it as a much. quieter on the return Yeah, call. where before they're like, I get it to me ASAP, I need it tomorrow, I need it tomorrow. They're like, oh, look, if you get it to us when you can, that'd be great. Yep. Uh, so I think everyone's a little bit more patient and a little bit more relaxed, sort of saying, well, let's, yeah, yeah, let's cruise through this. Uh, it's changing day by day. But at the end of the day, look, I think if you were to take this year out of the uh, picture and you look forward, then it does all look really promising, which is good. So we've just pretty much all got to buckle down and to get through this year and think we'll get back up and riding but yeah a bit of a change from the january when we were all sort of thinking it's a wow, good quarter finally. it was looking like a really good quarter really good. Yeah. yeah hey what will you say to the punter who comes off the street and says guys covid's in i want a massive discount but prices are going to you know keep dropping hit me with your best price what would you say the answer to that well, we've from your could... side would be would it be that you're already on your knees you can't go any further <laughs> exactly mate. it's been five years so if honestly if if you made it through the last five years and we won't name names of other companies but there's a fair few that have gone there's a fair few that have been bought out and um you know, realistically, that tells you that the market's been horrendous. I mean, if you look at stats, and I was reading something the other day, they were saying it was the recession. We basically had a recession without even saying we've had a recession. We've sold less homes than we did back in the early 90s when they had the recession, and we had one-third of the population uh, that we do have now. So that's telling you how bad it is. So realistically, you know, the prices are already at breaking point, and it gets to a point that it's not worthwhile doing. And that's, I think most people can understand that if you're a check out chick at Coles and you get paid $15 an hour and they turn around and say we'll pay you five you get to a point you're saying don't worry about it you'll either one you go find something else or you'll basically say my life is better to be you know down the beach enjoying myself yeah. so is that what, that. You, what the position is do you think of most of the big builders in Perth now it's like look this is as good as it's going to get well I think it's like anything like I mean, let's quickly go back to COVID-19 right I know a couple of guys own nightclubs now if they can't have more than 100 people in there it's cost them too much so they've just shut yeah you know, little, little creatures. That's why they would have shut. They would have said, if we can't have 100 people in here, it's not worth us opening. And that's the same with builders. Builders there get to a point. huge overheads, right? Yeah, exactly. Builders get to a point point. they say, well, don't worry about it. And that's the thing. A lot of them will say, well, it's no point in us building you a home and paying you for us to build it. We don't need the experience. We'll just shut. Call it quits. Yeah. So I don't think... You're not at that at that stage yet though, right? No. Nah, look, look, obviously, I, I will pull this name in, but Summit's obviously very well backed. Um, so we don't have that issue the last five years. We haven't had an issue. And 
you know, realistically, we could go for another 10 years, we'd still be fine. Mm. But there's a lot of other builders that are going to get to a point. But vice versa, at the same token, there's no point in us continually building and paying for someone to cheaper build and it. Cheaper so and cheaper. they would just say, yeah. don't worry about it. We won't take the contract on yep. and we'll move forward. And, and what obviously you do is you, unfortunately, take staff away. So you, yeah. you reduce your staff, you reduce your costs and keep moving. So we are at that point for the last five years. And I mean, a great example is I had a client that does a lot of developments. They had a, a building for 1.5 million back in 2015. Now, that was a really good price. I had to compete against four other builders for that, so it wasn't like it was a give me. We were the best price and they took it. They've come back and said, let's get that going again. That dropped $150,000. That shows you how much. I mean, that's that's not the builder's profit. That's just that everyone has had to drop their prices. Mm. So everyone's had a, basically taken a, a chip off, which has got that back down to there. But that gets to you the point that tells you that. So every, really contracts are sort of... At the bottom of the bottom. From, for no the last more. five years, if you came in at 2015 to today, you can probably be confident that a builder would be off, able to offer about a 10% cheaper price oh look every deal is different that that just give you a quick example but that tells you also that that is cheap that wasn't uh, a through the roof price because 2015 we were still tight at that time because yeah. 2014 middle of 2014 was when it started turning down tapering down so by 2015 we were already yeah, yeah we were already you know we, we knew deals weren't flying in you had to compete pretty heavily and yep. that prime example so but that shows you in the last five years where it's gone so for that to drop again, you'd have to have significant changes in the marketplace. And the other problem is you've got to look at that it, with everything that's going to go on, things are just going to get tighter because if you're not getting materials and not getting the bills, the so supply chain like you sort of said, up. you know, if yep. someone comes in and says, well, we're coming into a mass recession, you know, oh, I want a really great discount, it'll go the opposite way. That it'll basically, there just won't be any product built because you just can't get it and you can't afford it. So yeah. supply tightens yeah. up even further. And I think that's yeah. what we're already seeing that really tight level of supply in Perth for yeah. new homes and for established homes anyway. That's yep. what's keeping that price starting to rise. It's not particularly a ri- ridiculous rush in demand. It's it's a really tight supply market. Yeah. So if that continues, continues to stay tight because your big project builders in Perth aren't building uh, because it's just not worth it to them anymore, you have this weird contango market where you're in a recession, but prices start going up in things like yep. property. So I guess we want to obviously stay away from that. And yes. to stay away from that, we want... Uh, Keep a continual flow. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we probably want to just talk pragmatically to those uh, developers or would-be developers out there about what it is the astute developers on the top of your books, Adrian, uh, investing in right now. Is it, is it a triplex? Is it a duplex? Is it 20 townhouses? What are you seeing in terms of that median client of yours in that development space? What are they building? What are their contract values like? And, and where are they building? Yeah, so it's been quite a big change. So, you know, if you had spoken to us um, late sort of noughties and, and, you know, two tens, 11, 12s, up to 14, there was a fair bit of six to eights was pretty common. And then it dropped to sort of house behind house was the big thing for probably the last four or five years. And now I've gone back to sort of triplex. So you would probably say three quarters of the stuff I'm looking at and dealing with is, is triplex sites. And then you've probably got a quarter, which is your um, house behind house and maybe quads. So it's a little bit of that as Twos, well. Twos, threes and fours. Yeah. Not any, do, you, do you have any idea as to why that is? Is it just access to finance or is it people don't want to go that big anymore. I think it's really come back to WAPC and what they've done with the, the zonings and with councils opening it all up. So, you know, prime example, as, as you and I know, the Northern 
uh, sector, so Joondalup or your Craigie and Hillary's and all those type of areas where those are decent sized blocks of seven, eight hundred square meters. They haven't been touched. You know, those those blocks were developed back in the seventies and eighties and they've never been touched. Whereas most of those areas with that size of blocks over the last 10, 20 years would have had a changeover and allowed them to increase density and they haven't. So all of a sudden that's opened up a lot. And I think they're really good areas and everyone's realizing. So you um, think it's more of a reflection on uh, the way that the government has shaped planning opportunity yeah. rather than just preference in the market. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, that's the key that people can see opportunities there. So if you've got areas, so prime example, back in 2012 to 14, Balgar and Nolamara, we just went crazy mm. on. I would have probably done two to three deals nearly a week in there on quads and triplex. Like it was just, that was the yeah, place. Everyone went crazy, yeah. yeah. So obviously now you've been fully oversupplied Every single lot has pretty much been developed in there. And it's done. So, there you yeah. go. No more of that. But then you yep. look at somewhere like, let's say, you know, your, your Padbury or your Hillary's, no developments happened in there in the last 30, 40 years. Yep. So that's why, I guess, you know, they're now opening up. They're the right size lots. And the, the value's there because people sort of said, well, you know. You've got the downsizer market. Yeah, yeah. And also, you've also, I think you've got that um, teenage market that might have lived there for 15, 20 years. And they don't really want to move out, but they don't want that big house and can't, might not be able to afford it. So all of a sudden, if you've got that smaller unit, then all of a sudden they're saying, great, we can get in here. So I think you get your downsizers, but also you get your first home buyers looking to stay around the area they know and love without having to fork out a huge dollars and have a big home and yard that they might not require. Another question people might have, especially with regards to what's going on with maybe some supply shortages right now, mm. people ask, oh, look, a tool's going to be going down. That's a side yeah. question, I guess. But back six, seven, eight years ago, you'd hear about builds taking two bloody years. Oh, right? yeah. I, I've, I've come quoted down. three years wow. for clients. And I can remember one client phoning me up not abusing, but not happy, saying, oh, there's no way that's the tile I picked. It's horrendous. You know, it's the worst tile I've ever seen in my life. And we looked back and showed it and said, well, this is what you told us. This is where you signed and this is what you selected. It was two years ago, though, in your yeah, defense. Wow. And she'd forgotten what the tile looked like after that long ago. It's tightened up extremely tight these yeah. days to months now, right? Yeah. When I give time frames, everyone still looks at me and goes, are you kidding? And that's why I say to them, guys, look, <laughs> I've been doing it for over 20 years. But the problem is that over the 20 years, I've seen a fair bit. So, you know, single homes that you could build within six months have gone to 12, 14 months. You're looking at cycles, that, like you said, that you could be looking two to three years years for development or a two-story home to be built at the moment we mentioned before costs uh, and prices are the best i've probably seen your and best trades on the ground as well yeah exactly because if you're not then you're not getting employed so you've got your best quality trades you've got the best time frames you've got the best costs but also times is the key essence and that's the thing like with a lot of people worrying with what's going on with obviously the corona and all these type of things before that, you know, I'm quoting and telling them a good time frame because, as we just said, the last what five years. What would that time frame bad. be? Uh, look, on average, you're, you're a year and a half from so, when you come in and sign. Yep. So let's run through that process if we can. Yep. It's really easy to get caught up with the misleading advertising that says your house will be built in 26 weeks and it's $142,000. <laughs> All right. We see a lot. It should be banned. Until you read the, fine, marketing. The, the, the small print. The small print will tell you. What, Adrian, what is the process from coming but, in to say hello or uh, speaking about an initial design? Yeah. It takes nine months to get to the point where you're getting a slab down anyway at the minimum, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Tell us about that. I, I think the biggest issue is when you see those adverts, they're sort of promoting green title and, and that's a fully developed a block that's already had all the civils and everything done to it. Brand so new estate. So literally, yes, you can yep. walk in. If you were to go see one of the reps, 
take that plan, do no changes, just sign it off, you're still on average probably going to be looking at two to three months to get to site because they need to still draw it, site it, basically get you to sign off on those full working drawings and then the engineer certification, then basically get into a pre-start, all your selections, get you to sign off on that, get a building permit, schedule it, which means obviously ordering it, getting all the guys scheduled. You know, you don't have bricklayers just sitting on their hands waiting for a call to jump tomorrow. Most guys that are good, or our guys aren't because we've got good guys, so you know, you want to have the best trades. If a guy's sat around not doing anything, well maybe there's a concern with his ability. So you've got at least a week or two for your guys to all book them in and get them all slotted. So that takes, you know, three to four months. It's just for a standard. And then, yeah, okay, you can bank That's that That's for a non-development out. property. That's a non-development. Yeah. And then you can Let's bank talk it out, right? Now you've got to develop it. So now all of a sudden you're saying, well, got to come in, see you, get a concept, get an idea, get that all set up, get the price right so that it stacks up. And works. it's a complex concept. It's yeah. not just a That's right. 500 square meter block with no bang this plan boundary on, setbacks. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I mean, exactly look, it right. would be lovely if that was the case. And I tell all my clients when they phone up and say, oh, can't you just send me three plans and I'll pick one, sign it and go. Well, I mean, great. If I did that, sign every day, go for a surf and yeah. I'd have the most chilled out life. Unfortunately, every single block is 100% different. Especially different levels, different yep. orientation, different neighbours, concerns. It's there's everything involved: sewers, pipes. Like, and you have a development application that will take yeah. three to four months at a minimum, right? Exactly. And then you've got neighbours complaining, and obviously, you know, because there's changes going on and all the rest of it. So there's a lot involved. So just to realistically, you know, Give us that get real a concept, summary. get a price. I obviously tell most of my clients two to three months to get that. Once you're 100% happy and we know it stacks and we're all good, then realistically, you're nine to 10 months from there to get a site because we need to lodge it into the Shire, there's three to four months. Then we need to do engineers once it's certified, full work and drawings, get all the contracts done, get you into pre-start, get all your selections done, get all that paperwork signed off on, get a building license, and then basically finally schedule and hit site. So realistically, the, the building time is actually quick. Like we can build a uh, three villa unit uh, development within six months. But then on top of that, you turn around and say, well, full turnkey. So we finish it. We don't want to be doing the carpets while the guys are still working because they're going to wreck it. And then you could say, oh, well, you put boards down. Okay, but that's more work again. And then there's more cost. So this is where, unfortunately, on average, you're probably another six weeks again to finish the home that mm. someone paints, cleans and does all that because we don't want to be doubling up. We don't want to be wrecking stuff and costing us more money. So on average, I'll tell most clients a year and a half. So if you were to come and phone me today and come and see us, then we're a year and a half, really. So mm. if we've been dealing we've got something good to go great but from when you sign you're normally a year and a half and that's the key problem i guess we're going to be looking at is that everyone looks at the corona and what's going on and as where if we're they're at. building it and it's ready tomorrow yeah exactly and and that's the thing so i'm sort of most of my clients are still pretty positive and still moving forward because they're saying okay we know there's issues coming we know there's concerns but we'd rather lock you guys in get the price fixed you have to honor it and carry it it's your problem if you don't meet those requirements and we'll have the product in a year and a half time. And by then, we'll hopefully have all forgotten about this and be off and racing and we'll be in a great position because the market will be even tighter because a lot of people will be scared. For me, that's very much uh, the cloth that I'm cut from. Yeah. Zigging when everyone's zagging, buying when everyone's running and negotiating build contracts when most people are getting you a little bit nervous, Adrian, when putting you on hold, <laughs> for example, right? It's a good time yeah. to say, look, I'm ready to sign on the dotted line adding months out from when it's going to be built when Steve was the last phone call you got saying, let's leave it for another couple of months. You'd be more interested to talk to me now than you would have been a couple of months ago, right? We're pretty good at the moment. I mean, we're still staying at that same level. I think the funny thing is that in this market is 
you know, I was predicting the end of the year would be really, really busy. And it's funny, when the market's good and everyone's hearing it's good, that's when everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon. And that's when you probably should be holding off. Now the price time you rises. Be yeah. yeah. And that's the problem. You know, if you come in, and I tell clients, like, they'll be all lining up outside in the um, waiting to come into the office and they'll be saying to me, oh, how many are you doing? And I'm like, none, I'm selling more. And guys, if you can see 20 people sat out in reception waiting, then you know there's too much stock going to be coming onto the market in, in time. If you're coming in at the moment and have been for the last five years and we're begging you and doing whatever deals we have to do, that's the time to take advantage of it. So, yeah. you know. Well, Adrian Johnson, thank you very much for this first little intro to that building industry from a seasoned building consultant's <laughs> perspective in the development space. To be very clear, we're talking development with Adrian Johnson here. I think we'll have you in again, Adrian, to chat probably, I think, about cost estimates and risks involved that you've seen over Sounds your good. couple of de decades in the industry. <laughs> uh, I can keep preaching. <laughs> and uh, really, we just want to mitigate. We want to look at the mistakes that people have made, uh, the, the costs that they've incurred that they may not have had to, or just being aware of the costs they're going to have to incur for a development that they want to do sometime in the future. Yeah, look, and that's probably worthwhile. Thanks, Thanks again. Cheers. Okay, suburb spotlight time now. We are chatting about one of my favorite suburbs in Western Australia. I live in the area. It's North Perth. We have one agent to chat to about North Perth. It's obviously the number one agent. It's Nick Zunas. Thank you very much for coming in, mate. Morning, Trent. Thanks for having me. A lot of history. A lot of history. A lot yep. of generations, a lot of culture, a lot of ethnicity. Yep. And also, I guess, a lot of renewal as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, one, one of, uh, I would say, one of the initial multicultural suburbs of Perth. It's literally the, the first suburb out of Perth City. Lots of interesting people. Started with the migrants, the, the Greeks, the Italians, the Slavs, followed by a large Asian community through the last hundred odd years. North Perth, it wasn't the dense suburb we see today. No, there was there was a lot of uh, bigger bigger homes on on larger blocks and over the years there's been a lot of infill and originally it was it was sparsely populated. A lot of lakes the, as well, right? A lot of lakes, They've yeah. They've been filled in, haven't they? Absolutely, yeah. Well, isn't that a shame we look at how beautiful Hyde Park is. It's a jewel of the area, yep. right? On a hot day, it's the coolest part of Perth. You look at the old historical signage around that gives you a bit of information and I recognize it's one of what used to be many lakes in a, in that, a bit of a lakes district yeah, from, exactly. from Perth all the way to sort of past Lake Munger. Yeah, it, look, it's one of those things where if you had your time again, the planners may have done things differently and created this sort of green ring around the city. But obviously, uh, industry and uh, growth got in the way. Everyone wanted to live quite close to the city. Transport wasn't like we have today. So uh, you know, inner city suburbs were quite popular to move out to. And we're within walking distance of the CBD. As I understand it, it was 100 years ago when we filled those lakes in and we filled them in for market gardens. That's right. That lifestyle, I guess, is, has come and gone. That lifestyle is gone, but some of the families still remain. Interestingly enough, there's a lot of those uh, uh, descendants of those original migrants that came over that are still here, uh, living in North Perth. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting suburb. The, the fabric of it's unbelievable. And just walking through the streets and, and seeing those 70, 80 and sometimes 90-year-olds walking around, there's a lot to uh, learn from those people. A lot of churches. Yes. And some very good local schools as well. Some great schools. Tell us about those. Uh, so North Perth Primary, uh, one of the really good schools in North Perth. Now it's, again, a, it's a multicultural school. Everyone's there, but there's a lot of young younger people, young professionals come to the area. So their kids are are in there. 
that's the probably the biggest primary school in North Perth. Then you've got a more, uh, I guess, boutique primary school in Kyla. I think Kyla may be somewhere around three or 400 kids, where North Perth is a couple of hundred more than that. Aren't there a market garden growers Kyla market? Kyla does that, yeah. yeah. In Kyla, yeah. It, that's probably originated, I'd say, maybe four or five years ago it started. Uh, Saturday mornings, there's some great local produce in there. Uh, and f- and you know, literally growers come from uh, all around the northern suburbs and sell their produce. There's great uh, sausage sizzle in there. There's biscuits. There's eggs. There's farm produce. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really good vibe on a Saturday morning. Obviously, not many quarter acre lots anymore. A lot of uh, rezoning that's happened in time. We'll talk about subdivision sure. and development later on. But we're transitioning, I guess, into a more of a terrace and apartment lifestyle these days, aren't we? We are. There's a lot of, uh, look, the, the, the council have kept uh, the majority of the back streets are either R30, R40 or a mixture of both. Uh, the density has been uh, shifted to the main streets and they're trying to probably line streets like Fitzgerald and Charles uh, with the apartments and the three and four level apartment complexes that you do see. There's been a couple of really good examples and I think the council probably just need to keep an eye on exactly what gets uh, permitted to be built and, and what doesn't because these are things that are going to last or be there for the next hundred years and it's important that we don't get eyesores and uh, not ghettos but uh, big ones where it uh, becomes a bit of a problem down the track. Would you say that the Fitzgerald Angove Street corner is really North Perth's centre? Yeah, look, I would think it's starting to, to look that way from a from probably from a restaurant point of view. I mean, where the post office is and where our office is actually across the road from the post office, that's probably sort of more the businessy hub. Uh, I would say Angove Fitzgerald is more the social hub. Uh, you're getting some really nice sort of is cafes. There's a resurgence coming through, isn't there, through Angove? I, I think so, yeah. Look, since the Rose has been built, it's taken a while for it to get started, but now the, the ground floor is, I think, mostly tenanted. I think there's one free one there at the moment, but you've got some really great little restaurants uh, sparking up there. You know, you've got Ilaria, then there's Modern Chow House, uh, Tomasino's, great, great food outlets. And then across the road, you've got Chili Orange, the hotel, the Rosemount. So it's a great hub on a nighttime and evening. Nick, you've been around the suburb for a long time. Tell us who is selling out of the suburb these days and who's buying in. What's the changing of guard? Because it is a changing of guard, isn't it? There is a changing of guard. Look, I would say the people buying in are generally younger professionals. So the people getting out, it's interesting. There's no real definition. We're getting a lot of downsizers coming into the market so people living 10 15 kilometers out or even from mount lawley kubini or on bigger blocks they're aging and they want something they don't want to go out of the area they want to come into the area but they want infrastructure around them they want amenity so you, we're getting a lot of six, 50 60 70 year olds out of bigger blocks into the smaller blocks sometimes apartments that tends to be the trend. So I would along, have thought it'd be a lot of younger people. I'm there, surprised by that. There, there are obviously a lot of professional people who are working in the city. Ambitious people who Absolutely. have done well enough. They're yep. probably about 30. And that's why I say there's a big mixture. Those two groups are competing for the houses that are sort of 900 to 1.2. The downsizers and the ones getting out of townhouses and apartments that, as you say, Trent, are ambitious and you know want to live in a great little suburb. And there's loads of... 30 and 40 year olds walking in the streets with their kids, great primary schools, great cafes, and it's a good culture through North Perth. Do you manage a lot of deceased estates? Uh, to sell, yeah. Uh, look, there's, there's, there is a few, and it's always, you know, it's always difficult to deal with the families. We've got probably one or two that we're looking at, we're doing now. 
people that have lived in their houses for 50 and 60 years. It's the reality of the suburb, isn't it? Absolutely. This is, this is a suburb where people have invested three generations of life into yep. one home, into one community. Yep. And, and it's, it's it, I think that is the fabric of this suburb. That's why I'm trying to leave that question really too is for us to recognize really the history of the people that live here. It's not a... It's not, it's not a suburb sort of 20Ks out here where people come and go when they may or may not have invested in to the area. North Perth really does have an identity. Absolutely. No, and we've look, we've got some people that we manage their or deceased estates for that their parents lived in the house. So they've now, in the last 30, 40 years, they've renovated. They've lived in it for 30 or 40 years. But in the family, it's been in the family for 60, 70, 80 years in some instances. Let's move into price points. Yeah. How cheap can it get in North Perth? If I said, look, I just want to be around the, around the buzz, what, yeah, look, what would I could be buying for the least amount of money? Well, look, you can get a, a very cheap one better, what we call a well, apartment, but the, the, the old style flat, you know, 35, 40 odd square meters for 200 odd thousand late ones, uh, just depending on the condition of it. And then they rise all the way up through to the biggest price property maybe we've got recently was 2.15 okay what are you getting for 2.15 2.15 you're getting literally a uh, a three-story home under croft garage fully kitted out you know it's, that particular house was probably a three or four year old house when it sold what street's it on uh cadena street where's that west off charles so in between charles and loftus yeah in between charles and loftus close to charles Veryard reserve and that was a purpose-built home for a young family who sold it and uh, someone else bought it. But yeah, beautiful, beautiful property. And that, look, I, I would also like to say that there's houses that are probably more expensive than that that haven't come to market. Uh, in between, where are we buying in for, as an affordable option that isn't an old flat? North Perth's got a, a variety of different properties for sale. You can you can buy some villas. They're probably more the 70s and the 80s. Older three by one? Yeah, yep. oh, 70s and 80s style villas. They're three by ones, two by ones. They're probably sort of four and 500,000. Some duplex pairs that are around. Again, we just saw one in, uh, in Wasley Street. There's two on the front and actually two at the back. Two by one, it went for 586000 Beautifully done inside, credit to the sellers. Yep, certainly um, affordable for, absolu- the, for that, Absolutely. For the offering. Yeah, and look, if you know, there's plenty there for young couples to get into it at a reasonable price and live somewhere for five or ten years and then move up the ladder, so to speak. I would think that that median lifestyle, though, of the 450 or I think it's more like 480 square meter block in North Perth where you got a possibly renovated older house. You're paying 900 plus for that, aren't you? Pretty much, yeah. Look, there's been some examples the last two or three years where we've been in a bit of a downturn. There's been some let go, not the, the beautiful character homes, but there's been some, you know, 1960s, 70s salmon brick type things that have gone for around 700 but yeah that cute character two by one or three by one you're looking somewhere in that sort of mid eights to to nine plus to get you started one area you flagged just before that piqued my interest because it's somewhere that i love to be around is the charles Villard reserve precinct sure if you had your and we'll, we'll go into the median house price question later but if you had any amount of money right would you rather be living around charles Villard reserve because I love it there, yep. or would you rather be maybe on View or Ruby, one of those sort of streets where you've got the views of the city and you're in that more cottage terrace lifestyle? Yeah, look, I, th- I think it depends on what you want out of life. Uh, around the Charles Verriard Reserve, you've got, so there's some newer homes got built. It gives you, and they're, they're literally building on all the land, so the park is your backyard, so to speak. That's great though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And you've got, the council's done a great job around there too, because they've put some fantastic exercise equipment around that park, which 
gives you the opportunity to do, you know do some circuit work and things like that. And then you get into those areas, Ruby, Elizabeth, Menzies, in behind the strip, where it's an easy walking distance to cafes and restaurants and things like that. So you're saying it's two lifestyles? There, there is. There's there's two, and, and probably more even, because then you get the North Perth that's close to Hyde Park, that people love that the Hyde Park area, in around Grosvenor, Chelmsford, and then they can walk to the city or ride to the city. Or Beaufort Street. Or Beaufort Street, yeah. yeah I think those people that live there, they're certainly their priority is that they probably work in the city. Absolutely. And they either want a really quick bus ride in, or even just a nice walk where they can maybe go to Chew and those sort of places uh, on, a, on a Saturday morning. You're right. I think there are three distinct lifestyles, I think, in North Perth. Yeah. You've got your Anglove lifestyle, which is the cafe strips. You've got your city-based Hyde Park lifestyle, and you've got that more suburban Charles Verryard lifestyle. And it really just depends on what stage in your life you fit. Absolutely. Either you're, way, you're paying for it. Yeah, you're, these, you're, are, these are expensive pockets you're talking about. Absolutely. And then you've got that sort of more northern part of North Perth where it sort of boundaries to Joondana and Mount Hawthorne up around Green Street. Mm. Uh, again, a different part of North Perth. Are you aspiring for that area though or are you probably accepting that as a price point you can possibly afford to be in North Perth? In the centre of North Perth around Hyde Park or just north of Hyde Park, you're getting those beautiful character homes. As you go further north, it got developed at a later stage in the you know probably the the 50s 60s so you're getting a, a bit more art deco there are some more service homes over there as well uh, some of the blocks are a little bit bigger as well and have been subdivided mm. uh, so you're getting a different a different home over there as well let's segue subdivision development yep so much to talk about in this space absolutely uh, although you've referenced you know r30 being the smaller zoning really it's it also is reflective of the fact that these blocks are not quarter acres they're they're four five six hundred square meters aren't they they are, yeah. They're, You're not going to get six or five properties no. or pieces of land cut up on these blocks. Most of them, I think the average, uh, the old average was 491, which is the, the normal size block in North Perth. That's probably coming down now as, as the subdivisions go through. Uh, you know, there was one now uh, just in uh, Woodville Street uh, where I think the block was just over seven, maybe 750 square metres eight apartments ended up on it mm. in an r40 zoning mm. so you know they were done very nicely they all got uh, snapped up for in the mid 500s so you know that got done really well development is taking shape it has been sort of a little bit hampered over the last three four years where things aren't stacking up there things aren't stacking up yeah uh it's simple as that the lands remained reasonably expensive mm. and developers can't make things work no, because those apartments are now selling for maybe five hundred instead of maybe six hundred, and that's exa- the whole that's, difference. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And look, that's that's okay. It comes in ebbs and flows. You don't get the same of everything every time. Every every sort of five to ten years that you have a new floor development, you have new technologies, you have new styles, and hopefully you have benefits from that. Uh, but there's you know there's a lot of historical heritage homes we want to protect in that space as well. Yep. With regards to just a general guide for us as to where you would see people maybe. Uh, having a squiz on Google Maps for opportunities. Where do you think there's the best opportunity now? Is it the R50 zoning around Hyde Park? Is it further out just looking to, if you had the money, get into an apartment development? Where do you think people or your you know, your main development clientele are focusing right now? They're saying, yeah. look, Nick, if you can find something here, please let us know. Yeah, look, there are there are some, uh, some developers on the fringe waiting. Uh, 
because there's not a lot around, that they have to wait a bit longer. But I would sort of think just either side of Fitzgerald Street as you're coming out of the city, people are looking there. We've got one now that's just come on in Grosvenor Road, 570-odd square metre block. It's got a three-street frontage, you know, fronts Grosvenor and two right-of-ways down the side of it for, for 979 I think it's coming on for. So that is, that's an R40 zoning. It's good value. It's good value. So you, it's got a lovely 19, I think it's a 1948 character home on the front. You can get one on the back or it, look, it could possibly be demolished and some apartments go up there. So yeah, there is there's a lot of people looking, very few available sites. Mm. It's going to be like that, though. There's not, I think it's going to, yeah. We're, look, we're 100 years into development in North Perth. It's not like it's a transitioning suburb. We're really just picking at the gristle on this carcass. There's not much left. No, there isn't. <laughs> exactly right. There isn't much left, and uh, there aren't a lot of massive blocks around. Uh, there's a few, uh, but they're, they're tightly held, and I think... The other reason is is people did buy them to develop them, so they have got plans on hold, so to speak, and when the market picks up, I think we'll see uh, a number of d- developments shoot out of the ground. You know why I think there's another reason that things aren't stacking up? And it's for me because North Perth has such a great owner-occupied lifestyle selling point that there are a lot of people who probably have the ambition, have the money, they want to buy the block, cut it in half, build their family home on there, yep. and then maybe sell the back off or do something back with less of a profit motivation, but maybe half profit, half yes, we're in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of people are using the scenario you just mentioned to get into the suburb because the other way of just trying to buy that front duplex half or, or front home is, is, is hard to do. Yeah, you're at the mercy of the market. Exactly. So doing that... And, and as you say, not making a profit out of it, but getting where you want to be is absolutely uh, top of mind for some people. Kills it for the rest of us developers, though. <laughs> <laughs> it does a bit because you're sitting there. We always say, you know, developers are very uh, figure orientated. Um, no the, emotion with, at all. No emotion with the end in mind. Yet if you're dealing with someone who just wants to be in the suburb, they're going to pay more. Yeah, 100%. There's no question. Last question, median sure. house price. I think it's around 830-odd thousand, yep. s- somewhere between 830 and 840. Good luck. Nick Zunis, number one agent in North Perth. What are you buying for $830,000 because it's in your wallet today? There's not a lot. I always chuckle at the uh, the figures with median house prices because they, they don't reflect every suburb. It doesn't uh, reflect North Perth. It doesn't reflect sure. North Perth. You, you, look, you, you might get a uh, two-by-one that needs some work on a 450-odd square metre block. That'd be a snag. It would be, yeah, and it'd be that they're really sought after. So, uh, as you say, there's a lot of aspiring people uh, with money waiting to get into the suburb. Mm. Nick Sooners, thank you very much for your time, mate. It's one of my favourite suburbs. I know it's a lot of people's favourite suburbs on their hit list. It's it's maybe their second or third home that they'd love to be in as a buyer. They might be renting there right now just for the lifestyle. Yep. Uh, and we'll certainly pick up again on this suburb in the future because I see this one being one of the front runners. I think uh, that's the sentiment of everyone around town. Thanks, mate. You have a good day. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!